historically, healthcare is very much fee for service. You go to the doctor and the doctor gets paid on the amount of visits that the patient comes in, sending the patient for tests versus value-based care, which is when clinicians are compensated for keeping people healthy. In the current system, there are competing priorities, those who pay for care versus those who provide care versus those who receive care. So when you've got these uh, competing interests around processes, systems, incentives, part of the work we're doing in health assurance and the way we think about our companies is aligning those interests around processes and systems and incentives to keep people healthy. Welcome to Startup Health Now, the podcast where we celebrate the innovators and entrepreneurs reimagining the future of health. I'm Logan Plaster. Today we're talking about health assurance. What is health assurance? It has to do with transitioning from a healthcare system focused on sickness to one that proactively keeps people healthy. Next question, how do we do that by investing in innovative health startups? That's what we're going to learn from our guest today, Chitra Nabat. Formerly a CPA and a business journalist, Nabot is now the global head of health assurance and innovation at General Catalyst, a venture capital firm that in 2020 announced $2.3 billion in capital commitments across three funds. This conversation was hosted by my colleague Katya Hancock in front of a live audience of founders from the Startup Health portfolio. Enjoy. You're the global head of health assurance and innovation at General Catalyst. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about that? It's unique. What is that role and how do you think it can impact uh, the industry? Sure. And maybe a little bit about General Catalyst before I get into the role. Uh, General Catalyst is a leading venture capital firm that's mission driven. And it invests in some key areas like consumer, enterprise, fintech, civic, with a specific focus on healthcare, specifically health assurance. And my role is to expand and execute our health assurance thesis. And health assurance, that's focused on moving from a system of sick care to a health assurance system, which is designed to help people stay well, bend the cost curve, and make quality care more affordable and accessible. And the way that we think about uh, healthcare is that it's a powerful connected ecosystem. Uh, and we've come to that conclusion from our work over the last you know, 15, 20 plus years in healthcare, whether it's identifying opportunities early or creating significant companies like Livongo, Oscar, Rowe. And we've been able to do that through approaching healthcare as a connected ecosystem. And part of my role is being intentional about how we cultivate uh, and connect the relationships, bringing together the best of Silicon Valley innovation with visionary healthcare leaders and operators to work together to digitally transform this industry. I love it. Thank you. Um, and, and maybe while we're on that note, tell us about um, General Catalyst's work in healthcare. I know you announced a $600 million healthcare fund not too long ago. A little bit about uh, the healthcare um, focus and kind of how important is that to General Catalyst activities? Uh, healthcare is uh, the, one of the top, or if not the top uh, vertical that in, in, in where we invest and focused. And uh, so that uh, so much so that we think about investing in healthcare across the entire value chain. So whether it's companies in core infrastructure, such as Camure, uh, data and AI like ADOC, 
uh, navigation and payments like Olive. We also invest in uh, health assurance services, for example, remote patient remote patient monitoring companies like Athelis and Cadence, and health experiences health experience companies like Tendo and Roe. So the way we think about healthcare is full value chain. How do you affect change at different uh, ju uh, junctures of the processes and systems that are driving the industry? So that's how we think about that's how we think about it. This holistic approach. I love that it's such health assurance. First of all, health assurance. Um, I love that there's this term that you guys have really leaned into. You know, we, we want to be assured of our health. It, it's just so basic. Um, tell us about your role, because it's really just focused on that. Um, what is it and how do you think it can impact the industry? Sure. And actually, just a little bit on health assurance, uh, you know, because that's a big part of uh, our thesis and the way we approach uh, investing with companies and also my role. And the way we think about health assurance is it's about aligning interests, uh, because so far, um, historically, healthcare is very much fee for service. You go to the doctor and the doctor gets paid on the amount of visits that the patient comes in, sending the patient for tests versus value-based care, which is when clinicians are compensated for keeping people healthy. In the current system, there are competing priorities, those who pay for care versus those who provide care versus those who receive care. So when you've got these uh, competing interests around processes, systems, incentives, part of the work we're doing in health assurance and the way we think about our companies is aligning those interests around processes and systems and incentives to keep people healthy. And where my role comes in is that collaboration, uh, which is, you know, these are, when you think about payers and providers, and let's focus on providers for a moment, these large healthcare systems, very fragmented, uh, experiencing a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure in terms of how to maintain care, how to innovate, how to think about their economic models, which are very constrained. And part of that is you've got uh, fragmented interests, fragmented buyers, different constituencies, and many layers to the problems and understanding the problems. Where my role comes in is very much leveraging my background, part of which you talked about at the top of our conversation, the multidisciplinary, multi-industry from my background, which is financial services, media, technology, consulting, in terms of really being able to understand the complex, uh, the, the issues in a very uh, deep way, and bringing that market knowledge, that intel to our portfolio companies to help inform the way we work with our portfolio companies in terms of problem solving, the solutions we put in front of providers or healthcare systems, how we think about innovation, how we think about uh, collaborating and constructing integrated solutions, uh, even how we think about the economic models and the value proposition we put forward to health systems. Well, there's a lot, lot to unpack there. Um... So much of what you said just really resonates with me. Um, just let's just take a step back and, and kind of paint the picture. What does it mean to move from sick care to health assurance? What what do you think this this world could look like um, under that paradigm that you're striving for? Well, it's a it's a little bit of what I touched on earlier, which is aligning interests. When you think about the healthcare industry uh, all over the world, but especially in the United States, there are competing interests. What I mentioned earlier about those who pay for care versus those who receive care versus those who provide care. And so how do you align interests in terms of motivating the different constituencies, uh, having the right care processes, the right 
data and measurement methodologies, the right risk models, so that providers can move to more value-based care and be incentivized, feel good, and be compensated for keeping people healthy. And so part of our work is providing the tools, the technology, the infrastructure uh, to help uh, health systems do that. I love it. Uh, that, that lack of alignment in the fragmented in industry is, is obviously something that our portfolio companies face daily in terms of their challenges. Um, and, and it's interesting to hear your perspective on the role that a firm like General Catalyst can, can play in that. Um, we, we feel similar, similarly at Startup Health. Um, now, you work closely with your investment team, I assume, just trying to understand the flow of, of your role. Do you work with vetting um, investments? Uh, working with existing portfolio companies, all of the above, and, and how do you support those processes? Sure, sure. And so, so at General Catalyst, you know, what we do is we're builders, right? We help build companies. And as part of building is uh, knowing the ingredients, the critical ingredients that are required. And so that's where my role comes in in terms of building, right? Whether it's operating uh, at the big picture sky level to getting to uh, the ground level or below ground level in terms of the details, um, and, and part of what informs that is really understanding the domain of the marketplace in terms of the, the customer, providers, payers, and really being able to understand uh, the issues um, in a very deep and thoughtful way to uncover the problems and then think about what are the solutions. And that's what I then feed into our portfolio companies in helping inform their product development strategy, product expansion strategy, the way they think about customers, market uh, market segmentation, targeting the market, the relevant value proposition for each customer set, even how to engage and operate with uh, the customer, with these large health systems in terms of the appropriate operating or engagement model and coming up with uh, interesting economic structure. These health systems are very constrained. Uh, they're all looking to diversify their revenue stream and modernize their tech infrastructure, but in the most optimal and effective way. And so part of our work with portfolio companies and my work is helping them figure out that two-way model so that it's a win-win situation on the customer side, as well as for our portfolio companies. Um, I'm just gonna jump over to a question from the chat. Um, Unity, our co-founder has a question for you. Unity, do you mind coming up on video and, and asking your question. That's a really interesting one. Hey, hi, thank you for being here. Um, yeah, I was wondering, you you have so many exciting companies across the, the GA uh, or G, um, General Catalyst portfolios. Um, I'm wondering, is there a process or method for learnings from what's going on, for example, in your consumer portfolio companies that we can bring those ideas, those innovations over to your to your healthcare companies. Do you have a method for doing that? Is that is there a process for that in, in your um, in your firm? Uh, thank you so much for the question. And that's uh, and that's part of uh, why my role exists and the background that I have is exactly bringing that multidisciplinary, uh, multi-industry type of lens. And so a big part of our firm and, and our uh, identity is radical collaboration, and not only with our portfolio companies, but very much internally. And so across all of our sectors, consumer, the fintech side, the enterprise side, the civic side. And so we are in uh, regular uh, dialogue and interactions and meetings and collaborations internally in terms of sharing ideas, cross-pollinating uh, different methodologies, different solutions, solution sets that we're seeing 
in some of our other industry verticals, even other problem sets we're seeing in, in some of our other industry verticals, especially for example, around user experience. User experience and engagement, that's a hot topic within the consumer vertical, but has strong relevance within healthcare, especially with um, large health systems looking to go more virtual. One of the things the pandemic brought and accelerated is being able to offer care and have connectivity virtually. And so part of virtual is how do you engage with consumers and your patients uh, on uh, digital gateways? And how do you track um, patient adoption of using digital? What your patient experience is? Being able to capture and harness that data and insights. And so a lot of the learnings that we bring to the table is very much from the work we do with our colleague investors and, uh, and colleagues in our other industry verticals. And how optimistic are you, or would you say you're more or less optimistic in a post-COVID world in terms of the, the level of progress that's occurring? Um, was there a noticeable shift or is it still moving painfully slow? Like what's, what's, your, what's the general kind of um, feeling for where we really are at this stage in, in the market in a post-COVID world? And is there specifically? I, is there I'm, I'm thinking in terms of uh, like in the health systems um, that your your portfolio companies are working in, et cetera. I, I know there was, a, as you mentioned, a, a dramatic shift to telehealth, for example. Um, are, are you seeing an acceleration that's going to continue from what you're seeing? Um, are you more optimistic than, say, three years ago? Um, less optimistic? What's your sense of um, the pace of adoption of new innovation, new design thinking, new consumerism, all these kind of trends? Um, I think the pace is relatively high, and I would, I would, I would put it into two buckets. Uh, the, the pace as it relates to desire is, is very high. The pace as it relates to um, the practical elements of adopting innovation and implementation varies. You know, I spent a lot of my time with healthcare systems and uh, throughout the country, and the, uh, the overwhelming consensus is around, hey, how do we move to more digital? How do we think about more at-home care? How do we think about hospital at home? How do we think about uh, mobile vehicles where you're sending them out into different communities, different neighborhoods that are armed and equipped with, um, with doctors or nurses or, or EMT uh, type of personnel? So therefore, there's a strong desire in terms of moving to that more virtual or uh, omni-channel healthcare. In other words, um, healthcare not bound by a specific address or physical location. So the desire is very strong. Then uh, the appetite there, therefore, is there welcoming innovation. And, and frankly, it, it takes time. It takes time to navigate these health systems, navigating their budgets in terms of their ability to uh, adopt the different technologies. But I would say that the appetite and the desire is very strong. Um, the, the opening is there. Uh, it's about being able to connect with the right value proposition, you know, the right uh, matching, in other words, um, the need uh, with, uh, with, what, with what your portfolio company or whatever the company can offer. Thank you. Obviously, we have a lot of CEOs, founders on this call. Um, so I'm sure they would all like to know a little bit more about, you know, how early you invest. You mentioned seed and up. Do you ever go earlier than that? At what point do you want to start building a relationship with a startup? How, how and when should companies approach you and your sure. colleagues? Uh, sure. Um, and, and, and also, too, one other comment just just based on the question that was just asked, I would say another dimension also too is this, 
economic model. You know, is there some is there an interesting dimensionality to the economic model when you think about healthcare companies and going with um, uh, their customer base, which is healthcare providers? I talked about this earlier. Healthcare providers they're looking for revenue also, right? And so, are you just going with one way, meaning your your company is just looking to get? revenue from the healthcare system or or is there a part of your economic model where there's two-way revenue you've got revenue to offer or share with whoever your customer is in addition to you getting revenue so i just wanted to add that in um and cut you to the to the question that you just uh mentioned you know how early or how too soon to sort of build those relationships um you know there's no time like the present uh and, and part of it is, is is you know if you're an early stage entrepreneur or sitting on top of an idea, you also might be looking for some assistance to help flush out your idea, whether it's talking to our, us at General Catalyst or other folks in the ecosystem. You know, I'm a big fan of, um, you know, there's no time like the present. Start those relationship, uh, start that relationship building, start getting your ideas out there. And part of it also too is collective intelligence because the more people you talk to or the more relevant people you talk to who can give you um, targeted advice, that helps you inform how you're developing your own business model, your own uh, thesis of your company, your own outreach strategy, your own product service uh, that you're developing. So I would say there's no time like the present. And are there any metrics you can share that you look for a seed or series A company to hit before you would consider backing them? I think it's very uh, company or context specific because some of the companies, and when you think about earlier what I shared of the different categories across which we um, uh, invest, though each of those companies and each of those categories, whether it's tech infrastructure or for example, health assurance services, very different kinds of companies with different business models, different metrics, different barriers to entry, uh, different um, runways in terms of time to revenue, time to profitability, time to scale. Uh, and, and so it's you know challenging to kind of share uh, general uh, metrics in that it's very company and context specific. Uh, Grace Chen, hi Grace. Can you introduce yourself and ask your question, please? Hello, um, my name is Grace. I'm the CEO of Lucidat Health. We provide um, advanced remote patient monitoring for Medicaid population, starting with uh, PACE programs. So my question is um, about this, uh, you know, like it's upcoming telehealth and remote patient monitoring market. Uh, do you see, there's two trends. One is uh, more of a patient consumer driven healthcare. The other side is taking the long time, long sales cycle, working with health systems. So how do you see companies who kind of in these two segments on how you look at their um, you know, trajectory in terms of the, the metrics to talk about scale, um, time to scale, time to profit. How do you evaluate companies like that? Uh, how do we evaluate companies in terms yeah. of? In terms of their go-to-market strategy, right? One is more of a consumer-driven private pay versus going through the health system, um, the institutions. So we've got a couple of uh, remote patient monitoring companies. One is Athelis and the other is Cadence. Um, and they're focused in some in, in different areas and also to a bit of a different in, in differences in their go-to-market motion. So with Athelis, they're focused on mental health. They're expanding into neurology and geriatrics, also to kidneys. Uh, Cadence, they're focused on COPD, 
heart disease, diabetes. And so as you can see with just those two companies, different areas in terms of uh, care, the underlying care pathways that they're supporting. Uh, and, that's, and that also too then speaks to different functionalities in terms of the product and service, in terms of the segment that they, uh, that they serve. Thelis, for example, started with a small and medium-sized doctor segment, and they've expanded into large health systems. Um, Cadence has uh, started at the large health systems. So I, I just give you those differences to say that, um, similarly, based on my earlier comments, in that it's hard for us to have a specific, even general criteria across remote patient monitoring. Each of these companies do different things. Each of these companies have a different uh, go-to-market motion. Each of these companies ha have a different uh, uh, product product uh, and service uh, sweet spot or intersectionality. And so part of it is, is, is we look at companies on a, in a very individualized way. Uh, so that's you know, not really being able to provide general metrics um, that, that you may be looking for, but it's, it's very much looking at each company and in that, in that uh, context specific, context specific for each company in terms of what they're trying to accomplish. Thank you, appreciate it. Thanks, Grace. Uh, Natalie Davis, you, your question uh, was touched on a bit by Chitra. Do you have a more specific question related related to your question and please introduce yourself or was it covered? Thanks for being with us today. I'm uh, Dr. Davis. I'm a pediatrician, chief medical officer of Prevent Scripts. At Prevent Scripts, we partner with primary care providers to help them identify and intervene with their patients that are at risk for development of chronic diseases with custom interventions. Um, my question has mostly been answered. Um, your detail you just gave of your remote monitoring companies was very interesting. Uh, we're working with the uh, small primary care practices, small and medium. Um, and um, you've basically said it's just hard for you to comment on, on that market segmentation, but um, glad to see you're, you're working in our, in our space. We're, we're upstream. Well, I was going to say, Dr. Davis, what has your what has your experience been? What's your perspective? Well, we we are in Kentucky, so if you if you take a look at the Robert Wood Johnson fat map and familiarize yourself with the red part of it, we're in the middle of that. Is where we live. Um, we started working in FQHCs and implemented in in uh, medium size independent um, primary care practices. Uh, because they are largely in fee-for-service still. Some of them are starting to negotiate upside risk bonuses. And so you touched on that sort of, uh, is there a way that your economic uh, model can be bi-dimensional? And so, you know, there is this potential to have fee-for-service revenue in your model. We work in revenue share contracts and also be thinking about negotiating um, upside risk bonuses for certain metrics because primary care doctors don't have just all one contract. They may have six, you know, fee-for-service contracts and two uh, value-based contracts. They may have capitated contracts, so they have a mixture and, um, that is something we've wanted to explore working in fee-for-service and also negotiating upside risk bonuses, um, for our customers. 
Yeah. And I was going to say, you know, both of our, both of our remote patient monitoring companies, and that's part of how they engage with, uh, engage with the market in, in terms of, you know, two-way, two-way value creation. And that's something that's, you know, important for us with, with our companies is, is continuously thinking about uh, two-way value creation. That may not be where your business model has started, but how do we, how do we evolve and help you get there and shift? Because that's also too part of how to move to value-based care. Um, so, yeah. Thanks, Natalie. Um, it was interesting to hear you uh, share just the fact that you're digging into specialty pharma right now. Um, are there any other areas that you can share that are sort of white spaces or areas that, that you all are particularly excited about right now or digging into from a research perspective? There might be companies on this call that could be helpful to you. Um, just curious if there's anything you can share along those lines. Uh, sure. Um, uh, digital, the proliferation, especially with the pandemic uh, and the importance of digital. So digital, virtual care, at-home care. And also to one of the earlier comments, I think it was from Jill, around this notion of community. So localized community specific uh, to a, a particular patient context, personalizing, uh, personalizing the experience. Um, so those would, so those would be some of the areas. So personalization uh, that with the intersection of digital, uh, virtual proliferation, uh, at-home care and at-home care models, both uh, 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 acute and 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 non. Um, so those would be some of the areas. That's helpful. Thank you. Um, and and it makes sense. You know, we we track funding in digital health and have been doing so for almost a decade and and for years. Um, you know, have been seeing more and more funding in empowering consumers to better navigate their journey in consumer health. Um, you know, the I think the demand is finally taking hold that people just are, they need more. They want to be in, in better control. Um, another question from, from Jim, Jim from Fixable. Jim, why don't you come off mute again? Yeah, just going back to that topic of uh, value-based care, what are some good examples from what you've seen um, of, of great health tech companies that are very value-based care and how they like are uh, changing the model care. You know, Jim, I, when you say sort of, you know, good examples, I think uh, the industry overall and, and most companies, and if you know one that's on the cutting edge, please do share in this forum. But I think it's mature. I think it's a maturity, right? Uh, you know, there's a maturity dimension. And I think it's uh, those that are moving along, you know, are there any quote unquote good, um, you know, uh, I, I think that it, it's challenging to kind of make that, ca uh, that classification or categorization. I think more importantly, it's around those with um, uh, not only the intention, but very much putting in the work, putting in the work to get there and to uh, shift there. Um, and so, and that's part of the work that we're doing with our companies. You know, I talked a little bit earlier about remote patient monitoring and how do they think about uh, you know, two-way revenue models and uh, participating in, in uh, uh, you know, participating in risk and taking on risk. Um, even some of our other companies, so for example, uh, Oscar, uh, some of our other companies within health assurance services, uh, you know, the way that they're evolving their business model and the way that they're engaging with uh, customers and coming up with the next iteration of their companies 
is in more participating in two-way value creation, two-way two uh, you know, revenue models and uh, two-way risk-based uh, risk structures and taking on risk. So you know, to summarize, it's more about that maturity and evolving their, your business models, evolving the dialogue, evolving the care and the economic uh, processes. And then we've got some infrastructure companies which are supporting that, whether it's Kamir and others, because part of what you need in order to accomplish that is the data, the metrics, the baselining, the risk models, right? All the analytics and the machine learning and AI on the modeling to come up with the calculation, right? Of what uh, is, you know, what the, the 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 payer will take on, and then being able to activate that kind of a dialogue with the with the payer um, or the payvider, if you will. That's, that's great, and I, I, it's really hard to find. To be honest, uh, we've been looking around quite a bit. We we're in a bunch of RPs as well with major insurers to just treat low back pain. And you know, for us, we have a good predictability model around how we get people better and how quickly we get people better. So it's working out, but it's still a good amount of risk to take on as a company to be like, hey, I can get this done within X, right? And um, but I think you know, with with adjunct of data, you know, big data, data analytics, I think it's we'll get there for sure. And I think another part of it also too, especially on the technology piece, the technology and the analytic tool piece is, you know, you've got some healthcare systems that own their own health insurance plans, right? Uh, and so you've got a number, but part of it, their challenges is, is they may not have um, the, the infrastructure to help them uh, help them in terms of shifting the processes, shifting the the, the methodologies, right? The um, the risk models, and so part of it also too is there's a, there's an opportunity even with those health systems that own their own uh, health plans to provide them with some of the the, the tools that the you know the tools, the tech, the methodology, working with them to get there or to co-create that together, and that's some of the work that we're exploring uh, with some of the health systems who own uh, health insurance plans. Yeah, I, I agree. And they're definitely taking a lot more risks in the past year and a half than ever before. So for those guys out there, like trying to change this model of payment and care, um, definitely like poke at them a little bit to, you know, take the risk with you. Right. So um, great points on that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and I just got a DM from Kavi. Um, Kavi has a question. Kavi, you could introduce yourself and, and take it away. Uh, my name is Kavi. I'm the CEO and founder of Rose Health. Um, at Rose, we leverage deep tech for early detection of uh, depression and mood disorder symptoms. And we now take it to a new level by partnering with a care navigation solution that allows us to connect those patients and close the loop and get them to see a therapist within five days. My question to you is the fact that we raised a seed round um, which was dedicated to going after the primary care market. But the ultimate goal was really to go after the risk-bearing entities. Um, so therefore, we spent a lot of the seed money on the tech and developing the tech so that we can leverage that early detection piece, which is significant for uh, risk-bearing entities. And now, as we try to raise a Series A, um, we're getting into a little bit of an issue where uh, the sales of a million isn't really there. However, we have this patented technology that can detect suicidal ideation with a 70% accuracy and 
and six uh, false negatives. So what are your thoughts on that, uh, given that we're, we're really now primed to, to grow and to get into the ACOs, get into the health system, get into the payers and, and even employers with our product. But we're having, a, we're struggling with getting the funding to really take us to the next step. Well, first of all, congratulations on your uh, on the funding that you've gotten so far. That's amazing. Uh, so congratulations. Uh, but in terms of you know what you just talked about there, I think part of it is how do you take your value proposition and you know I don't know how much work you've sort of done to kind of poke holes in it, but what is um, what is the you know uh, your your solution, your 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 service, right? Your service creates joy for somebody. Who is that somebody? What is their pain? And so sometimes, uh, you know, and I'm happy to also take this conversation offline yeah, uh, in terms of getting into some more of the specifics, but I think part of it is, is, is uh, whoever, um, you know, you're pitching to uh, from a, in, in terms of the investor, right? Whoever you're pitching to, part of the articulation is, is, is uh, here's the pain that I'm solving for. And how do you really um, how do you really amplify what the pain is? How do you quantify the scope, size, scale? In other words, the magnitude of that pain in the market, that gap in the market, and therefore what you're solving for. Because perhaps to your point, there's a trail in the time to revenue realization. And that exists for so many companies out there. Uh, so many companies, uh, you know, it, all over the world, regardless of what the vertical is, but especially in healthcare. Uh, but I think part of it is, is, is being able to quantify, quantify the scope, size, and scale of the problem you're solving for, how much joy it brings, and then also to teasing out the multidimensionality of that joy. In other words, quantify as much as possible um, as a way to you know, bridge the gap in the story in terms of the lag of the time to revenue. Got it. And in that case, uh, we are able to do that as we, we hired a uh, healthcare economist to actually do ROI analysis for us on risk-bearing entities. So we do have that quantitative background that now, as well as the qualitative piece. So what are your thoughts regarding the fact that we need the funding to move forward and um, the, limited, the limited revenue thus far, the limited ARR? Is that something that how would a someone like yourself or General Catalyst really look at a company like this? Would you look at it in um, more of a pro forma basis or more of a forward multiple or what would you think about that? Uh, so a big part of our firm's identity is responsible innovation, uh, which is also <laughs> why I want to be very responsible in the way I respond. And sure. I think part of it is, 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 as I said, I'd be happy to take the conversation offline because without sure. getting into more of the specifics, I wouldn't, you know, we don't believe in just kind of making, you know, uh, yeah. flyer comments. You know, I think, I think what you're sharing and I appreciate, I, I think probably there's a little bit more data, you know, data set uh, for you to share, to get into, to, to be able to provide more, you know, helpful, meaningful um, input, if, if that's, if that's okay. It is. Yeah, no, we'd love to connect offline. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Chidra. Um, I see a nice note there, Jill Angelo. This was super valuable. Thank you, Chidra and Startup Health team. Um, this, this was a wonderful hour. I thoroughly enjoyed chatting with you. Um, and I know that folks on the phone found it really valuable. Um, so I just want to thank you and we'd love to have you back another time and, um, you know, 
get you really involved in, in our community. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for having me. Good luck, everyone. Thanks for listening to Startup Health Now. Startup Health invests in health transformers from around the world who are committed to achieving audacious health moonshots. If you want to learn how you can join this community of entrepreneurs, or if you want to connect with one of our 350 companies, go to startuphealth.com. If you'd like to learn how you can invest in our Health Moonshot Rolling Fund in collaboration with AngelList, go to healthmoonshots.com. Thanks for listening to Startup Health Now. We'll be back next week.